Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Not a Recipe, the Codex West affiliated cooking podcast. Uh, my name is Jacob Lively, and I am joined by my co host, Mark Quivola. Yo, yo, yo. Um, so we're going to go over exactly what this podcast is about. Um, this was Mark's idea. We've kind of been uh, toying around with it for almost like three months now, I think. Yeah, it's uh, been a just... while that we've been thinking about it. <laughs> but we just finally got a, got a chance to, to start recording and put everything together. So, Mark, I'm going to kind of let you uh, explain what's going on here. Totally. So, um, to me, this was an idea. Um, I think it's kind of uh, uh, encapsulated in the title. It's called Not a Recipe. The idea is I wanted to – I think that sometimes uh, people get really intimidated – by cooking, particularly because the way that everybody always like learns to cook is that you have a recipe that you need to follow and you need however many onions, you know, to however many cans of like, you know, however many what, grams you know, of, you know, flour. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And everybody has always, you know, uh, I think everybody has exposure to baking. Um, even people who don't cook have like baked cookies or baked a cake. Right. Yeah, and, totally. Um, that kind of cooking is really, really rigid. Right. Particularly baking. And even though we'll talk about some baking stuff on this show, um, so much of that is really rigid. You really have to follow directions down to the T, all of that stuff. Um, I think that Jacob will agree with me that one of the things that makes you really fall in love with cooking is not following a recipe. Yeah, it's like falling in love with improvisation. Exactly. And not even, you know. Not even being like ultra creative or doing something really insane, but like understanding enough about cooking that if you want to make uh, shredded chicken tacos, right, you have a general idea. Like there are five different ways that I can do that from my head right now, right? Right. None of them are going to be based on a recipe, right? And I think that that's the fun of cooking. And I think that in many ways, um, uh, this podcast is going to kind of explore those like fundamental tenets of cooking. And I think that the um, I think that the way we're going to do this a lot of the time, pretty much primarily, is going to be that we're going to address some particular ingredient or some particular dish or some particular topic in depth per episode, right? Yep. So um, today we're going to be talking about specifically tomato sauce, right? Now, when we say tomato sauce, that's going to refer to a whole lot of things because as we're going to talk about, everybody, every culture has a tomato sauce of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's really ubiquitous. And I thought that we thought that this was a good place to start because um, I think just like every culture has a tomato sauce recipe, everybody has a tomato sauce memory. Everybody wants tomato sauce. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Everybody remembers being a kid. Thoroughly ingrained in like having spaghetti and meatballs or, you know, pizza margarita. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, right? And, you know, everybody, everybody frequently comes into contact with varying tomato sauces. Yeah. So I thought that this would be a good place to start. And, you know, uh, we're not going to sit here and tell you get three cans of tomatoes, two onions, however many garlic cloves. That's not what this is Yeah, we're going to tell you how to make a tomato sauce. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly that. We're going to tell you how to make a tomato sauce, but we're not giving you like a recipe. Yeah. Just a a baseline. All right. Cool. Uh, awesome. perfectly put that is everything that needed to be said about the nature of the show um so we're gonna start off I don't, I don't know if we'll do every episode like this because i'm not sure every every food has quite a story to history as the tomato 
But uh, mm-hmm. we're going to start off with kind of a brief history of tomatoes, where they came from, and why it is that they became like an almost universal staple mm-hmm. of. I think yeah, every the, the, every culture has a like signature tomato dish. Rip off than it is anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah pretty much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, it's generally agreed upon that the tomato originated in Peru. Actually, I. I I was not aware of this until I started doing the research, so don't feel bad if you didn't know it either, but it originated in Peru as a wild plant with a small green fruit. Um, By approximately 500 BC, we start to see evidence that it was transplanted from there to Mexico and farmed by Mesoamerican civilizations as a cultivar not dissimilar from the modern cherry tomato, Um, like just a small yellow fruit where it was called zitomat, which uh, that I think means like small thing with a navel <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> the modern name tomato actually comes to the Nahuatl people who called it the swelling fruit or tomati in their language um so when we start to when things start to get really real um the first european contact with tomatoes was in about 1521 during the contact, uh, conquest of mexico city by cortez um who subsequently dubbed it pom de oro or golden apple indicating that the red tomato that we know mm. in modernity was still either undiscovered or not yet cultivated. Tomato is still yellow at this point. Um, it grew well in the sunny climes of the Mediterranean, and it became a minor part of the diet of Italians and Spaniards before making its way to England. Um, but it wasn't really adopted in earnest as a staple food by Italy and Spain until well into the 1700s, which I also found interesting because what do you, when you think of yeah, totally. Italy, you think of tomato sauce. Like, there's just every... Sure. There's so and many also, different And when variations. you think of Spanish, like... Yeah, and when you think of, like, Iberian food, like Portuguese and Spanish yeah, food, of they course. use so much tomatoes. There are tomatoes in everything. Yeah, it was actually, uh, funny enough, it was used primarily for decorative purposes until then. Um, oh, yeah, I did see that. It's like, it, it was like a garden plant. They, yeah. Uh, they liked the fruit, like, as a flower. Yeah, basically. Because uh, tomatoes yeah. also bloom, like, really pretty little flowers. Yeah, they're but, beautiful plants. Um, but, yeah, they're very pretty. Um, and so after this, England and their territories, uh, tomatoes were considered dangerous and like even poisonous for a number of reasons. Uh, the leaves of tomatoes are actually toxic to humans. Um, unripe tomatoes contain a small amount of a toxic compound called tomatin, and the high acidity of tomatoes caused the lead in pewter dinnerware that was common at the time to leach out. So people were dying of lead poisoning because they were eating uh, acidic th- foods. Th- that's interesting. I think that's cool, actually. Yeah, really this cool. is probably also why you see, like, not a lot of citrus or, you know, white people being afraid of seasoning. But <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until the early 1800s that, that cultures began to consume large quantities of tomato en masse, including England. And they kind of, England, of course, introduced tomatoes to india iran other parts of the middle east and from there uh i think there's not really a lot of like historical documentation that indicates when each individual country kind of got the tomato but somewhere around like the 1820s to 1840s is when you start to see the proliferation of tomato in places like india and iran um so i find it worth mentioning again that nearly every country on earth has an iconic tomato dish which is kind of insane considering that it's only been around in places that aren't south america for anywhere between two and four hundred years so and the those fact- are also like staple dishes like yeah exactly like staple tomato so dishes, not only right? was it which adopted so by these nations like within you know a two to four century span it became like a huge like a fundamental part of their cuisine so i think that that that's kind of a signifier to me of the unique flavor profile and the the versatility of the tomato. And I think that's a big part of the reason that we decided to do this first episode on tomato sauces. Totally. Cool. 
So um, what we, I think what we want to get into first is we're, we're only going to talk about two different kinds of tomato sauces today. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, touch on some other things I'm sure, but um, primarily I want to talk about like the, the basic Italian tomato sauce. Now you have, you know, you've got puttanesca, you have bolognese, uh, margarita. There's so many different mm-hmm. kinds of Italian Pomodoro tomato sauce. Stuff, yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to nail down at what, you know, the fundamental Italian tomato sauce is. But what it is easy to do is establish kind of a baseline for what we're going to explain is how to make a tomato sauce that can then become all of those other sauces. Or at least that's all what I'd of like these to do. other things. Right. Yeah. And so the thing is that one thing to keep in mind, um, and I think that this is uh, you hit on it right at the end of your little uh, history lesson there is that like. One of the reasons that the, t- the tomato is so ubiquitous is because it actually is quite unique in its uh, flavor profile and chemical yeah. composition, right? Yeah. So um, uh, one of the things is, uh, and I think that any good uh, any good cook, any good chef nowadays knows this, um, m- MSG, the thing that everybody's scared of in Chinese, yeah. right? Um, is uh, naturally occurring in many, many things that we enjoy all the time. One of which uh, is the tomato. The tomato in, in relatively high concentrations, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like actually, really quite high concentration. And on top of that, uh, particularly if you get like an heirloom tomato. Mm-hmm. So heirloom cultivars are exactly what they sound like for people who don't know. An heirloom cultivar is a very old seed, right? That's the best way to think about it. Yeah, a seed from a very long time ago before we possibly bred like them in antiquity ways even. And, and yeah, exactly. And that we really, do, I mean, that's what uh, breeding plants is, is changing the genetics, right? Yep, exactly. But, you know, this is pre like even, um, even like scientific GMO yep. uh, research, right? Um, and so that's what an heirloom cultivar is. And if you get heirloom tomatoes, the reason that they're a little more expensive and all of that and everybody, you know, all the hipsters love it. Um, and also why they look ugly compared to modern tomatoes <laughs> is because they are these old cultivars and they still preserve a lot of the original MSG. Because yep. some of the uh, some of the breeding practices we've done to keep tomatoes resilient, and um, for tomatoes to be able to grow at just about any time during the year, right? All of those kinds of uh, changes we've made through breeding and through like even uh, direct manipulation has actually resulted in a lower MSG content, right? Yeah. In and, newer and tomatoes. I, what I find to be a less flavorful tomato too. One thing I, I mean, definitely... not even yeah. It's like not comparable. Like yeah. if you, you can go and if you get like an, a good heirloom tomato and compare it to a regular supermarket beefsteak tomato, they're they're like different. They're completely different. They things, they, they are basically right? and entirely different things. Yeah, and they have different textures because like um, modern uh, tomatoes, particularly particularly ones that are not ripe enough. Yeah. Like you know, if you buy a tomato and it's just underripe from the supermarket, it's going to be so grainy. Yeah, right? very gritty. But you can like... take heirloom to yeah, exactly. But if you get heirloom tomatoes that are yellow, like yellow, not ripened heirloom tomatoes, they are delicious. Yeah, they're right? so firm. They're and, like super bright and acidic. Uh-huh. They they almost have like a natural uh, because of that high MSG content. They have like a natural saltiness to them that is further enhanced Absolutely. by the addition of salt. One thing I want to talk about exactly. really briefly before we get into the Italian sauces is let's talk about tomato selection yeah. because I think mm-hmm. more than. I can't think of another fruit or really anything where the difference between a good tomato and a bad tomato is so profound or even like it is so even, a, even a good tomato yeah. and a great tomato. There's such an enormous difference 
in flavor, in texture, mouthfeel, the, the structure of the tomato, the appearance of the tomato. So I want to talk a little bit about identifying a good tomato. And also I want to talk about um, what kinds of tomatoes you want to use for different things because not all tomatoes are made equal. Oh, yeah, not perfect. Oh, yeah, and th- that's purpose. also another really good question. Yeah, because, like, you know, not all tomatoes are created equal. Not all tomatoes taste the same even remotely, you know? Yeah, they're all great. It, you know, a great tomato is a great tomato <laughs> in terms of, like, a great cultivar of a specific tomato is going to be great in whatever you put it in, but certain tomatoes mm. are suited for certain purposes. So... Um, let's talk about, we'll, we'll start at like, what tomatoes do we, what do we look for in a, when we're making a great tomato sauce with fresh tomatoes and we'll get into the fresh versus canned debate as well. Yeah, exactly. But when you're That's looking another... for, when it's you, we're in the middle of the summer, it's the height of tomato season, you know, all the best tomatoes are at all the farmer's markets. What kind of tomatoes do we want to look for to make the best, you know, rich, hearty, you know, that sweet, salty, like dense Italian velvety tomato sauce what kind of tomatoes do we want so um i always go for ultra ripe roma tomatoes yep right yep that is that i and and you know you can do it with uh campari tomatoes too totally. right and like those kind of like uh, american style ones that are uh usually sold on the vine yep but the truth of the matter is that like a really ripe roma tomato is just um if you think about it like this a roma tomato has just as much flavor in that smaller tomato as that larger tomato. That as, you know, a beefsteak or like any of the, the more common cultivars exactly. that we see served in restaurants in America. Exactly. Yeah. But any the of thing your, is that any the, of your but, salad bar yeah. tomatoes. Exactly. Those bullshit tomatoes you put on your salad when you're yeah. at, you know, sweet tomatoes <laughs> when you're, or something <laughs> like that. Um, uh, but the thing is that uh, Romas, in my opinion, are the best for like a summer sauce. Now, the other thing to kind of discuss is the difference between long sauces and short sauces. For sure. Right. I like think we long should... cooking times and short cooking times. Right? We'll get into that when so, we talk about the yeah. sauces itself. So then let's say this. Roma tomatoes are the ones that I would choose. I would use Roma tomatoes for both. Right. Yeah. Um, even though you can, even though, you know, you can use cherry or grape tomatoes for a quick sauce and they taste really, really great. Or you can also use, um, some of those like big hearty heirloom style fat, ugly tomatoes for yeah. a longer sauce. And You'll want a riper really one for sure, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is that, um, the one that I find the most versatile and the one that I, I would use, like, uh, if I was in a pinch and I needed to pick a tomato, Roma tomatoes. Yep. Okay. That's, that is also what I would select Roma or like a, a nicer plum tomato. And when you're looking at these tomatoes, like, my, so for me, I think like, uh, the selection process is just as important as identifying what kind of tomato you want. Totally. I'm looking yeah, for, you talk about that. Cause I think you're going to know a little more about that. Actually, When I want to make like a rich Italian sauce. So let's say, you know, we're making a base for a bolognese where it's going to be a really meaty sauce. So you need something that's going to be able to stand up to like dense fat. You want to, you want, yeah, not just get like lost into like a thinness. Exactly. I know what you mean. So you want, you want a Roma tomato that feels it it has that sort of firmness, that density to the touch where you know it's going to, there's going to be a lot of meat in the tomato. You don't want a super aqueous tomato when you're making sauces like that. Now, I I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, a common complaint of like a reason that a lot of people don't enjoy eating just like raw tomatoes is because they have that sort of aqueous membrane inside where it's like that sort of goopy stuff. Now, I love that stuff, but 
if you're looking <laughs> to build, you, you might be al- you might be alone in that. <laughs> <laughs> if you like, I love tomatoes. I love tomatoes, but I can't I can't just like bite into a fresh uh, except unless it's really really good. Yeah, right. Unless it's a really really good tomato. But, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. That to me is kind of like also just delineating from what we're talking about. That's like one of the the signal the, the great indicators of whether tomato is good or great is like if I can just take a bite out of it and I love it. That's a great tomato. If I can take, you know, yeah. if I take a bite out of a good tomato, I'm like, eh, this will be a good sauce. Like, that's a good tomato. But I, I think yeah, generally totally. speaking, you don't even want to use a great tomato for a sauce. It deserves to be, like, elevated, you know, something like a, maybe a bruschetta or, you know, even just, like, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's um, also that, like, with with when you think about the utility of why people make tomato sauce and why people made tomato sauce to begin with, yeah, it's a great way to use your not as great tomatoes. Precisely, and that's why I think when you're identifying what kind of tomatoes you want to use in a in a sauce, they're not necessarily tomatoes that you just want to eat. Period. You're looking yeah, for something absolutely. maybe even a little bit overripe that's had time to develop the the like the MSG density. Um, you want something that has like it's dense and firm to the touch. You don't want like overripe to the point where it has give and it's squishy, but you can tell yeah. you want it like a darker deep, tomato. Like deep ruby red. Yeah. Yep. Deep exactly. Ruby red. Yeah. You don't want something that is that, that, that pale redness that you see. That's maybe more mm-hmm. like uh like you don't want fire hydrant red. You is, as Mark said, you want like deep, like blood orange, like that kind of redness. Um, Absolutely. Because that's an indicator of there are like certain, pigments and compounds in tomatoes and one of the easiest indicators of like the compounds and pigments that are um ideal for sauce making one of those the key indicators for that is a darker color um so those are the kinds of tomatoes that i would pick out for like an italian tomato sauce um now something that i also like to do uh you see a lot of people add so because tomatoes are are super acidic um, you see mm-hmm. a lot of people try to either balance that out or enhance it. Um, people that enhance it, I see a lot of people use lemon in their Italian sauces, which I like. I don't, I'm not in any way opposed to that. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, that's, that's interesting. It goes, it goes against the way that, you know, my Italian family yeah, makes sauce, but Mark, that's interesting. Mark, Mark comes work. from a, from a much more like a traditionale autenticante Italian. <laughs> yeah, it's a, no bingo, 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 I come from more you know, of a, kind of a Hamburger Helper Italian family. But if you're interested in adding, yeah, if you're interested in enhancing the acidity of a sauce, what I would recommend doing is actually finding a more acidic varietal tomato. Um, so if oh, you're good idea. if you're using these super dense like um, savory, more meaty Roma tomatoes. Um, which you should be doing for a sauce and you want to enhance the acidity of those tomatoes, go find some, you know, like yellow uh, heirloom tomatoes or even cherry tomatoes that have that sort of grapier citrus bite to them. Um, and that's a great way to, to add to the acidity and build your sauce without compromising the fact that it is, in fact, a tomato sauce. Um, but getting that's away a, from that's that. That's actually a good idea, yeah. But I, I, I like that idea of using a little bit of cherry and grape tomatoes to bring out more. Yeah, definitely the, don't be afraid. It's a good idea. Yeah, don't be afraid to to mix and match either. Like sometimes, if you wanna you wanna build like a a sauce that has a body that isn't completely consistent, if you're using a more of like a mashy kind of, not like a puree, but a you know just a pounded tomato sauce. Yeah, um, ch- chunkier. You'll, you you will yeah. want you'll want to some some variety 
you don't want bite consistency in that kind of sauce because that sort of defeats the purpose of like <laughs> if you wanted bite consistency, <laughs> you just puree the tomato. Yeah. So, um, but let's get into totally. let's get into. I think Mark and I are going to have some some maybe some different ideas about like what the basic Italian tomato sauce consists of and how we approach mm-hmm. it. So, Mark, I'd love for you to. St- I'd love to hear your approach. Like, what is okay, your awesome. what are yeah. your building blocks of an Italian tomato sauce? Okay, so um, for now, obviously, as we've kind of mentioned, you know, there are lots and lots of Italian sauces, and there are lots and lots of different Italian tomato-based sauces, yeah. right? Yeah, we're now, not going to try um, to, like, uh, we're not Yeah, I'm not trying. This way. isn't a comprehensive conversation. Yeah. We're, ta- we're trying to kind of distill to – and in many ways, I think that what we're talking about right now is – it's really like the Italian American sauce. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Now, the th- it, because they do su- they do stuff like this in Italy, but they really do it differently than um, Italian Americans started to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I and and you know, growing up, there was like any any um, any properly Italian person has memories of like coming home late at night in high school looking in your fridge for food, finding like the jar of your family sauce that you have every week. That's always in the fridge and eating the shit straight out of a bowl. Right. No, you know, no pasta, no nothing. Just eat it. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But the thing is that, so the, the sauce that I grew up eating when I was a kid, um, is number one, it actually often did not, it often wasn't what you would call a meat sauce. Right. Um, we'd made meat sauce, obviously, for lasagna and for baked CD sure, and things yeah. like that, right? But the thing is that um, when it came down to it, our standard Sunday weekly sauce very often wouldn't have ground meat into it, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I know that most Italians use uh, pork bones as yep. the flavoring, Yeah, right? I, I use Which pork is, neck bones it, or... Totally. Or, or even and what's like funny... Shanks, it, yeah. The reason that the reason that that didn't actually become a my mom is allergic to pork, right? Well, I'm so, that, so like, actually, sorry for her loss. I know, dude. Every time that she would go out of town on business, my dad and I would get a big thing of bacon and a big rack of ribs oh, and like so a sad. pork tenderloin for the next night. It was <laughs> yeah, it was like a whole celebration um, of of being able to eat pork. But so um, we uh, actually took to using beef bones, right? So beef shin bones, oxtail. Um, uh, and uh, marrow bones, that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you go to the store and they just have, like, I mean, they have it down here because I live in Miami where there's, uh, you know, immigrants are more rustic cooks than many Americans. So sure, I can yeah. find some pretty odd cuts in my Publix here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and so the thing is that, I, you know, you can go and get just a big pack of beef bones, right? Or you can just ask the butcher. They have them sitting in the back. They'll sell them to you for nothing, yep. right? A bunch of beef bones, okay? Then what we would do is uh, you start with uh, garlic. There's okay. some, some onion, but not too much because you're, you don't want it to be sweet, yep. right? Um, and then what goes on and what I took to doing, my family didn't do this in the beginning, but one of the things to keep in mind is that part of uh, part of tomatoes being unique is that they are somehow msg super umami they are somehow acidic at the same time while yeah. also being super sweet it is it really is right? kind of unbelievable so the thing is like, why tomato, how could one food contain mm-hmm. so many great qualities i have no idea it's amazing right it's yeah, like but continue. I, I don't know how you pack it all in there but the thing is that 
the sugar content of a tomato, because even though we like to call tomatoes vegetables, they're obviously botanical fruits. Yep. They're just culinary vegetables. But the thing is that um, because they're a fruit and fruits have a ton of sugar in them because they have to pump a bunch of sugar there for the fruit to turn into, you know, whatever it is they're trying to get it to turn into. Right. Um, All the processes happening. So that sugar lends itself very well to getting a good Maillard reaction. Right. Yep. Why don't you explain what that is to the viewers? Very simply, it's what you think of as like, you know, golden brown and delicious. That's Maillard reaction. Yep. Right. And you want to explain the, what's happening the, yeah. there? Say it again. Do you want to explain what's happening there exactly with the sugars? Oh, okay. So what's the going actual, on there? What, and, yeah. and yeah. So I can, uh, how about this? I have, uh, I'm probably not, I, I would need to look it up to, I would need to get back to you on this very specifics. Yeah. But what's going on is that it's a caramel, it's a, it is a caramelization of the sugars and the proteins, right? Well, in Correct. meat, it's the proteins, in, right? The proteins in and vegetables the vegetables and fruits, it's the sugars. Yeah. It's, it's the sugars, right? And so the thing is that um, the same way that as you heat sugar, it melts down and becomes thick and darker and caramelizes and it starts to take on that brown nutty flavor and color, right? It's yeah. the same way that you can you can enhance a lot of flavor out of things that have a decent amount of sugar in them by getting them nice and browned. Yeah, right? and what it's doing so, is essentially mm-hmm. extracting that sugar to the surface of the the fruit, which is why you see it become brown. It's not necessarily the vegetable oh, okay, itself there that's you go. becoming sure, damaged. Sure. It's you're drawing that those sugars to the surface and that makes them much more readily uh, apparent when you eat whatever it is that you're caramelizing, whatever that's actually that's actually great. Yeah, you knew you knew it better than me, honestly. But that's that. Yeah, that's perfect. So the thing is that I will often, um, even if I'm using canned tomatoes, right? Yep. I will often roast them in the oven ahead of time. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I like that approach because, a lot. dude, it's a dude. It makes things. It's so. It makes such a difference. It's yeah. incredible, right? Because the best parts of a sauce. At least for me. I mean, this is like, you know, me like being nostalgic. The best part of the sauce is that ring of kind of goopy, pasty stuff that that, uh, the, that the forms the along the inside yeah. of the pot. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, of course I know right? what you're that talking about. That stuff is yeah. gold. Right? <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's so funny you because want, I hated wanted... it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I would just never, I was just like, I don't want that scum. Like that's gross. Not, now no, I will, like, I will fight and like it. all you got to and all you want to do is like you want to develop while you're making a sauce you try to develop as much of that as possible and then stir it back in right yep yep but the thing is that you can kind of like take that into nth gear do it really quickly by giving the tomatoes um a good you know 15 minutes in a hot oven right yeah. okay i like that approach on yeah a, on a sheet pan i have a different a it's, i have a different way of achieving probably a similar result but i like that approach what a do lot. you do but, uh so what i do is i just start my pan at very 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 high heat and i'll basically dry fire the tomatoes for a little bit so that the oh, okay, uh, basically yeah. i'll i will so i'm not a huge fan of the pureed tomato sauce so what i'll do is i'll slice the tomatoes very thinly but just and give them just enough body to to hold up and not stick to the pan um i'll add a little bit of olive oil to the pan and then i will basically like just super hot, super dry fire those tomatoes until they get that Maillard reaction, that char on the bottom. And then I'll immediately add the liquid to the sauce um, and then cook that at a lower temp. But that's, I want, that's I want a you to good finish idea. That's a good idea. 
Yeah, that way that you would get also the, work. You get the sugar. You get the sugar brought directly to the surface of the tomato. I think it has like a. It's a little bit more controllable because when you're roasting a tomato, um, you don't necessarily get to control which parts of the tomato experience the reaction um, and which parts. That's of the like that's have like the perfectly brought to the true. surface. That's like a gr- yeah, it's a great observation. Yeah. But that's more like a uh, it's it depends on how much control you want over that, how much of the sauce you kind of want to be like organic, uh, not in not in the not organic, farming uh, sense, like but barred, like, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. exactly. Um, um, so continue, so though. The, I want to hear like what's your when you start your sauce, like what is step one? Like oh, what are your what are your basic ingredients and what's your step one? OK, OK, is um, basic ingredients are going to be. Um, canned tomatoes and I'll also tell you why I almost always always start with canned tomatoes is because sauce is a winter dish you didn't have fresh tomatoes then sauce the way that it's remembered the way that that like I don't I you know we are we talked about one time authenticity and traditional right yeah really like Italian American sauce dude it comes out of the can and like you know my grandmother grew up on a farm they would they would can their own tomatoes yep. and then that's when you would make this big sunday sauce cuz it's also a hot thing you're not making this sunday sauce i'm talking about you're not making it in summer in summer you're making like a lighter pomodoro thing which we can discuss quickly cuz that that's only like three fucking ingredients right yes <laughs> but um yeah like a pomodoro sauce is tomato salt onion and olive oil yep. <laughs> like you know that's it but so um uh i start with canned tomatoes okay yep, yep. step one is that i take um now i know people sometimes like to chop up their onions right into like small bits so that you get it all throughout uh-huh. right um sometimes if i'm trying to do something really really pure like a pure tomato sauce i do what you do with a stock pot just like cut the onion in half mm-hmm. right yeah and yeah. just throw throw it in like that instead of chopping it up but oh, the step okay. one is going to be to develop a little bit of browning on the onions in the bottom of the pan, right? Yeah. With some olive oil. And um, you can chop them up, which is great. I do that a lot of the time. You can also leave it whole if you just want tomatoes. I do that sometimes just when I want pure tomato sauce, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, take the onions, put them in there, let them start getting brown, okay? Then I'm going to go and get uh, garlic, okay? And I don't... Garlic and tomatoes are like the combination that everybody desires out of any food combination. Yeah, they just they they, they go together. They They belong together. Right. And so what I will actually do is I will chop up some garlic. Right. Um, You know, a few cloves. Again, not a recipe. The idea here is I want to give like the basic framework and you can kind of adjust to your own taste. Yep, exactly. But um, I will even often if I don't want to put more chopped up garlic in i'll take a couple of cloves that are just um uh either crushed or like cut in half right so that i can fish them out later right in case i don't want like a ton of chopped up garlic in it but i really want to get the garlic flavor up there Mm -hmm. okay but so onions first get some browning going garlic after because you don't want it to burn let the garlic get just a little toasty just a little bit um, you know, yeah, you don't I, want I like bla- really you don't want a black garlic flavor. You don't want like uh, what what'll happen is burnt garlic and garlic are two very oh. different flavors. There's a time and a place <laughs> yeah, for burnt for sure. burnt garlic. Tomato sauce is probably not that time and place. Um, and what'll happen it's too just, is would, if you yeah, if you burn your garlic, it, it will actually just overpower the flavor of your entire sauce. So not only will you lose the good garlic flavor, you'll just your whole 
your whole sauce will taste like burnt garlic if you're not careful. Absolutely. So that's an important and on, yeah distinction. Totally. And on I'm another episode, I'm gonna talk. Totally, because I'm all in another episode. I'm gonna talk about my confit garlic that I keep in the fridge all the yes, time. Yes, that's something that we'll talk about when we get to like pantry staples. But you can also use roasted, like pre-roasted or confit garlic that you make yourself. Yeah, you can also totally. use that if you want to. Right, it's very good. Um, but then the next thing is going to be adding like. A, like maybe one or two sprigs of fresh oregano, maybe a couple of like fresh basil leaves, stuff that you can pull out later. Yep. Right. Yep. This That's is just important. for flavoring. Yeah. Right. And you want to put that stuff in the hot oil right as you're moving into like, you know, getting liquids in. Right. Yep. You because what, what's that doing some of the is, oil. yeah, you're, you're drawing the essential oils out of whatever it is. So the bay leaf or the oregano in this case, and you're immediately drawing that into the oil so that you don't, you aren't mm. left with any like inconvenient, like, uh, you know, chunks of bay leaf that is not really particularly like does not lend itself well to like blending in with the rest of your soup. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. And it's also one of those things where, um, like dried herbs and fresh herbs are very different things. Yep. Right. So like my family, I swear to God, never uses, never uses dry oregano in anything. Weird. Right. Because like, it's, it's not even, it's not even really to my taste either, but like, you know, my mom like hates it. Right. Yeah. But fresh oregano, fresh oregano is so different. Right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Totally, yeah, totally, 100%. totally different. So I, I come from a, like a Hispanic family. So for me, it's like, like uh, dried oregano is just so central to everything that it's like, I, I exclusively, I don't use any fresh herbs in my sauces unless I'm doing something with like thyme maybe. Really? Yep. How interesting. That's so strange. I use a lot of fresh herbs in my sauces. I just don't chop them up. I, I, I put them in whole and then pull them out later. I like that. Uh, I might yeah. have to try that the next time I make a tomato sauce. And I, and I also do that with whole parsley uh, sprigs. Get like get like four or five whole like parsley stalks. Uh huh. Right. And throw them in the throw them in there with the uh, with the onions and garlic while it's all getting going. Huh. You know, with like like the whole fucking thing, and then you're just gonna pull it out later. Yeah, right? totally. I guess if you yeah, then, if you're pulling yeah, it out, it's you not gonna make your sauce too it. earthy I, I or grassy. I love to do that stuff. Right. Cool. And so, yeah, totally. And so the thing is that after that is some red wine, right? Yep. Uh, to kind of deglaze the pan and you throw it in when the pan's really hot. So you get that whole, right? And <laughs> yeah. actually what's funny, what's funny is that I'm saying red wine only because I know that people would yell at me if I actually told the truth, which is that I almost exclusively cook with white wine. Shh, don't tell. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I think I just kind of ruined our well, credibility. It I makes sense entirely, though, listeners. because like if you're you're attempting to draw out the acidity of a tomato, like red wine is doesn't have the same like acid profile that a that a really brilliant white wine will. And it's not like the you're other using thing, good wine. The other either. thing is that the tannins can burn. Exactly. Yeah. It, right? they'll, they'll burn the, they create like. this like and weird, that's how you like, get that earthy, really bitter flavor. Yeah, you don't sometimes. want your sauce to taste like it's been in an oak barrel. Exactly. And That's especially if you game. cook it, especially if you're cooking the sauce, like if this, we're talking about a really long sauce. Yeah. I think that the red wine is, uh, it sometimes it becomes problematic. Cause very problems. quickly. Yeah. 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 That's a very good and point. And so, yeah, I almost exclusively cook with white wine. That's a pro tip right there. Um, but so I throw in wine, let it bubble off, like, you know, get a little bit of the uh, the alcohol off really quickly, even yep. though, like, you know, some more of it will cook off over time, but yeah, over of a longer time. 
Um, but the thing is, get some of the alcohol, like dry alcohol flavor and smell out of it real quick. And then, as I said before, I've probably roasted my canned tomatoes, right? And reserved the liquid. Okay. Yep. So like get, and also always get whole tomatoes. Even if you're going to do something, even yeah, if you want to do a pureed sauce. plum tomato, yeah. Yep. The cans of whole plum tomatoes, the, cho- the chopped stuff, the crushed stuff, the pureed stuff that it's just not, it's, it doesn't. It, 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 it doesn't do the job, man. It doesn't No, it. not at all. The it, one really, thing, it doesn't have the same mouthfeel. The it one really thing doesn't. that I will say is that get one of those tiny ass, like, you know, 40 cent cans of tomato sauce. Um, and if you're, if you find that your sauce has become too watery, if you've had to add too much liquid to it to yeah. uh, sort of maybe counteract the effects of cooking it for too long or, you know, some things happen. Sometimes you need to add a little bit of body to your sauce. A little bit of tomato sauce goes a long way. Um, so I yeah, like to actually, keep some that's that a on really, hand. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, and the other thing that I think I kind of missed here that would that uh, makes sense is after the onions and garlic, you can also throw in some tomato paste. Yeah, right? totally. If you and really, that, if that'll you really that'll give your like sauce a, a really mm-hmm. nice body. And tomato paste experiences the Maillard reaction very quickly because you're it's a paste, so very it has quickly. a lot of surface area. So you'll get a beautiful mm-hmm. char on it almost immediately. Then you just boom, add some liquid, and then you know uh, mix it in the rest of your sauce, and you're good. And, and pro tip, buy your tomato paste in tubes. Cento makes tomato paste in tubes and not in cans. Because, oh. like, the cans are ridiculous. Yeah, dude. Get, I was get not aware of this technology. I, I know. It's amazing. It's li- it's it's honestly, I you know, I, I mean this quite seriously. It's like one of those, like, life-changing things. You're like, holy shit. I'm going to use tomato <laughs> paste in everything. Like, I can use, I just have it in the fridge. I just squeeze it out. This is ridiculous, right? Because, like, the cans, you never use a whole can, and then you have that open can, and then you forget about it. Yeah, and you throw yeah. throw it out when you probably shouldn't throw it out. Just get the tube. But the yeah. thing is that if you can if you def- you can definitely throw tomato paste in there, I, I do that very often. And so, like I said, onions, garlic, now tomato paste. We throw in the uh, some fresh herbs, white wine, let that bubble off, and then add the roasted tomatoes and proceed to let it sit on your stove at a very, very, very low simmer for... The whole fucking day. Yeah, I would say <laughs> you know what I mean? I, if you're in a pinch, there are times when I've been like, I have to make tomato sauce for dinner because I have to go to bed in, you know, two hours. No less than an mm-hmm. hour of simmering. No less than an hour of simmering. This is yeah, this is it, the part that I yeah. think a lot of people, um, a good tomato sauce takes time. You have to be willing to, you don't have to baby it. It's not going to hurt itself. It's yeah, not going to be have ruined. To, you, actually, you it's keep it, that's why you're keeping you it on a low temperature. Stop fucking with it. Yeah, it's you don't want to play around with it. Stop fucking with it. Um, yeah, there's Cause, a- <laughs> yeah, because the thing is that we're like, like we talked about that, like that, uh, the kind of, uh, Maillard, uh, stuff that develops around the edge of the pot, right? There's yeah. probably some French word for that. You know how the French have a word for all of these weird little things? de la pot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's so funny because yeah, there's probably a term for it, but that stuff, if you're, if you're stirring your sauce all the time, you're not going to develop. It's not going to develop. Yeah. There's a, right? my friend, my friend, Alan, <laughs> he has a saying that is, has stuck with me for a little long time. And I think he says it to a lot of uh, inexperienced cooks. Um, because a lot of, a lot of the time you'll see people that, you know, think they're the next Wolfgang Puck. They'll go in their kitchen and they'll start to, <laughs> they'll try to caramelize onions and they'll do, they'll sit on top of their stove for 20 minutes and just move stuff around with a spatula and it'll never, like you're never de- going to develop the reaction that you want. What he says is we're cooking 
not stirring. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, that's good. Wow. Damn. Damn, he got yeah, wrecked. He got it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much right on the head. So yeah, my that's perfect. my so tomato yeah, sauce basic like, like don't fuck with it but yeah. let it sit on like low and slow dude is yep. if you really really like this is you know a really really good Italian American red sauce which by the way I forgot to mention this all of those people that call red sauce gravy in fucking New Jersey and stuff like that right the, is that a thing? That's the most bizarre thing. In the, oh, my God. Dude, dude you don't d- know about Jersey that? people in their naming convention. Have you heard about the whole pork roll debacle? That's a whole thing. Oh, I, my God. People yeah, from I, New Jersey need to just sp- calm. They need to get over. Yeah, they're from Jersey. Get out. over yourselves. No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that's you listening from like, New Jersey, we don't care about you. Stop. You have <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, Tony Soprano, and that's about it. Yeah, right? that's all you got going like, let, for you. Those are two good ones. Those are two good ones, but no, that's about it. It's more than um, most places, but. Um, <laughs> but still. But so, yeah, dude, people call it gravy, right? And then they, they they also add flour and make a roux at I don't, the beginning, yeah. which this is I a, don't get. I we're, we're have no gonna, idea where that came I'm from. I'm not even going well, to We're not going to like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awful. Run um, run far away sinful. from anybody calling tomato sauce, red sauce, gravy, yeah, right? Make but the thing stop. is that, um, okay, uh, well, you know, the Italian-American red sauce that we're getting at here, though, is like a whole day ordeal. That's where we were leaving off, was the fact that is the thing that it's going to be low and slow over a whole day. That's why it's always called Sunday sauce. It's yep. what you do. You wake up in the morning. Like when you first get up, the first thing you do is you go and you put the sauce on, right? Yep. Um, another thing to say is tomato sauce is like one of the best things to make a ton of. And oh yeah, because it keeps very well. It keeps and well, then, and it gets better over time. It seems every time you reheat it, your tomato all, sauce, yeah. it's just gonna get better. It's so like your homemade sauce is gonna last in the fridge for like you know a week, maybe even two weeks if you're like pushing it a little bit. Yeah, but but it freezes like nobody's business. Yeah, right. Totally. Like if you if you have uh you know keep the next container from your pho when you order pho like one of those big things for the Chinese restaurants and Asian restaurants. Yeah, for the soup. Get that, fill it back up with tomato sauce, put it in your freezer, and you have, and you've got a meal like in the future, and it'll last for forever. Yeah, you totally. know what I mean. It'll it, with all that acid in there, it's gonna last forever. Frozen. It's yeah, it's basically um, pickling itself. But um, <laughs> yeah, actually, right. So I'll talk about what my but my I basic. I think so. That's tomato, my that's my sauce. Yeah, right? that's, my basic. That's the, yeah, my basic tomato sauce is is probably gonna be a little bit simpler, um, similar to Mark. I use canned tomatoes like i said earlier if i'm making a fresh tomato sauce it's really only viable to do so in the summer because that's when good tomatoes are available it's you're going to be hard pressed to find a sauce worthy or you know like take a bite out of worthy especially tomato any other time of the year than between the months of like you know maybe some really good years april but most likely may and september Every, anything after that yep. is yeah. you're getting it, it, into like risky April territory. April and September is the time period. And if you're if you're getting them in April, you should be getting like, you know, green or yellow tomatoes. Yeah, the ripe, make, the, um, the like, the, the most yeah, underripe to make, juvenile. Like, primavera. That's why it's called Primavera, bitches. Spring. A, <laughs> yeah. So um, my basic tomato sauce is five ingredients. You have salt, garlic, onion, olive oil, and fresh tomatoes. I think something that's, or sorry, canned tomatoes sometimes with the addition of fresh tomatoes um i think Mm. something that's overlooked in in terms of like sauce quality having good olive oil can make or break a sauce because that's what's going to give you a lot of your texture 
um, even if it's not That's a pureed so sauce, true. your your olive oil, you want that olive oil flavor in there. Now, I'm not saying you want it to be, you don't want a greasy sauce. You don't want to add a ton of olive oil to your sauce, but that's sort of the the base because you're not using animal fat in a basic tomato sauce most of the time, or at least personally, I don't. Um, your that olive oil is going to be like the funda- the fundament of the mouthfeel of your sauce. Um, tomatoes Absolutely. are that's be, such a good point tomatoes, particularly if you're not using meat yeah that's so true because tomatoes yeah even you know a, a canned tomato that's going to be consistent in quality will still have some wateriness to it and that you need the like a good um rich olive oil that's going to balance that out um i think in terms of availability there's so many good olive oils out there um and like not a great deal of like terrible ones you know, your like great value stuff is probably going to be a little bit suspect. Um, the one, that, the one <laughs> yeah. that I use is the, uh, I have a friend with a Costco membership and I just have her get me like two gigantic, like two gallon jugs of olive oil, uh, whenever oh, I need yeah. them. And the, the Costco oh, yeah. brand, it's like Kirkham or something or Kirkland. They, yeah, Kirkland. It's their, good. their olive oil is surprisingly very good quality. I mean, not surprising. Costco generally just has really good stuff. But if you're yeah, looking for really, like, that, yeah. if you buy in bulk and you use a lot of olive oil, I would strongly recommend that olive oil in particular. It doesn't matter. You can use their extra virgin olive oil. You can use their cold press, like whatever. It's all, the, all of their olive oils are just going to be a consistently high quality. Um, oh, 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 one thing that I just want to quickly say, because you just yeah. said Costco. Another Costco tip is that they have those big, enormous wedges of Parmesan Reggiano for like $11. Yeah, you'll probably want to like get one of those. <laughs> It's insane. Now, one thing I'm going to say is that the way we talked about tomatoes having a ton of MSG, right? Yes. Another thing that has a bunch of MSG is Parmesan. Yep. Parmesan any, cheese, really, any aged cheese, right? any salty any aged cheese, cheese is going to yeah, develop. Yeah. Is going to have a lot of MSG going on in it, right? Like, you know, old Goudas and stuff like yeah. that, right? And well, maybe uh, we might have to do like an episode on like dispelling common food myths about like, you know, MSG and similar stuff. Because MSG is oh not scary. God, it's yeah. nothing you should ever be afraid yeah, totally. of. Yeah, totally. I if think somebody, people are less somebody, scared of it like, now, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's you know, it, like it, it's a kind of like, uh, uh, it's like voodoo. It's a made up like you know myth, but yeah. it's okay. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have an episode on something like that. But, um, so so um, can tomato, adding, my... but adding, but like all I was gonna say was adding Parmesan cheese to tomatoes. Like that's the reason that they go so well together is oh, because yeah. MSG kind of enhances the flavor. Like M- MSG alone doesn't have much going on. It's the more that MSG is associated with other stuff, yeah. The more it brings out the flavor of those other things, right? Yep. Yep. So the combination of Parmesan and tomato sauce is absolute necessity. That's that's like you know unquestionable in my book. Peas in a pod, yeah. Um, yeah. so what uh, my my process Sorry, I with those? No, no, you're fine. <laughs> That, that process with those five ingredients uh, basically amounts to what I do is um, I'll mash up the – or no, sorry. I'll put the uh, – generally, I'll start with the onion, uh, similar to Mark. So olive oil in the pan, add the onion. I like to get a good browning on my onion, not like like not quite caramelized, but like just before because I just like a sweeter sauce. And the way that I cut mm-hmm. my onions um, entirely, unlike Mark – I cut, uh, like very thin, I like long, thin pieces of onion. So like, uh, just a one, like not mandolin thin slice, but like, you know, maybe eighth of an inch thick slices. Um, I'll use a whole onion 
for like one can of sauce. You get like those strings throughout. Yep, exactly. And I'll oh yeah, kind of. And they yeah. they char that's, really nicely yeah, too. It's like very Indian. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Indian I think so. Yeah. All their sauces, yeah. So you get some little little bits of onion that are crispier than others. You get like a lot of bite variation, um, and it, it enhances the sweetness of the tomato. Um, basically, I like to go really overboard with all of my flavors. I think one thing that I'll, I would like to challenge anybody listening to this to do, um, when you're making a tomato sauce, it's easy to like think of things that would be really good in your tomato sauce. You would add like chili powder or like, you know, there's, a, there's although we're going to be kind of all about variations on a theme, for your basic tomato sauce, what you should be challenging yourself to do is creating as much flavor as possible with those five basic ingredients, onion, garlic, olive Absolutely. oil, salt, tomato. You should do as you mm-hmm. should challenge yourself to find as much flavor as you can in those five ingredients and you'll be very surprised at the outcome. Um, so for so me, true. I like those I like those huge flavors, so I'll get my onion very nice and brown, bring the sweetness and the depth of flavor to the front. Um, then I'll add the garlic, just like Mark. Uh, I, I slice my garlic pretty thinly, and I like to add a, maybe a little bit more oil to the pan at this point so that you kind of get that effect where the garlic is just barely like swimming in the oil where you can see it kind of skim yeah. and start to bubble at the surface. Be, don't be scared of adding olive oil. No, yeah. You know what, what I you mean? Don't, like, yeah, what you you're not don't gonna, generally You really want. won't overdo it easily. It will be yeah. difficult for you to fully overdo that. Yeah, and if you do, you can always just add more tomatoes, so it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what you don't, you generally do not want, like, one of the easiest ways to burn garlic is if garlic is in direct contact with the pan, it's going to char almost instantly. So you want to create For a sure. buffer layer of olive oil between that garlic um, and the pan. Uh, the next thing I'll do is add the, so I'll kind of shove all of that stuff into one corner since it's going to be, like, cooked pretty thoroughly at that point. Um, and I do this, I do one pan sauces. That's, that's just kind of the way that I've always done things. I really like, I, I like the idea mostly like, I like the aesthetics of it, of just like, I have this one pan I can put it, I'm going to use this you're pan build, to create as build, much. Build, build, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're building from the ground up and you're not using any other, um, steps. And this is like, this is why I think my tomato sauce is really basic and like, it's easy for people to learn. Um, I add my whole tomatoes first and I try to reserve some of the liquid. Um, that way I can get that nice char on those tomatoes that I was talking about earlier. Um, you want the Maillard reaction to bring those sugars to the surface of the tomato, enhance the sweetness of the tomato, because then you get the background acidity. Um, and you, once you have that very light, I'm not saying your tomato should be black. You know, you should, you'll know what to look for. Basically, if your tomato just starts to stick to the bottom of the pan, that's all you want. That's all you want. Totally. Um, then I'll start to mash those tomatoes up. You'll get the liquid out of them. So this way you have some liquid in your pan. Now you mix everything together. Um, obviously I, I didn't mention this explicitly, but the stage at which you're adding <laughs> onion to the pan, those thinly sliced, the easiest way to enhance that caramelization reaction is going to be to add salt. So add salt in the <laughs> onion phase. Um, yeah. and then once you mash the you tomatoes, you want to be pulling like just the idea of that is that if you have onions in the pan, you want to be adding salt like in that early stage, cause it's going to pull out some of the water. Yep, from that is the onions. Yeah, that right? is like because a, a the critical idea is process. It's not going to get any. You're not going to get any browning or caramelization going on until at least a substantial amount of the water has been drawn out of them. That is the absolutely water is just going to prevent it from getting brown. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um, and same basic principle with the tomatoes. You're going to want to salt those whole tomatoes um, and then crush them up once you get that desired reaction wherever you want them to be. Um, add everything. You know, sort of mix everything together. 
uh, and then add the liquid from the can of tomatoes. And at this point, if you're adding any, you know, say you have those cherry tomatoes, you want a little bit extra acidity. I usually add some kind of fresh tomato, not a lot, but some kind of fresh tomato to my sauces. It's a good, it's a good idea. Cherry tomatoes at the very least are generally pretty, it's pretty easy to find like they're consistently high quality year round because they're easier to grow. So you'll find, you know, like a yellow cherry tomato at most supermarkets at any given time of the year. Uh Um, So I'll add that to the sauce. Like Mark said, cook it low and slow. Um, No less than an hour. I'm not a huge, now I love a sauce that cooks all day, but I'm not a huge stickler about um, how long you cook your sauce, but no less than an hour. Because if you, if you take your sauce out of the pan after less than an hour, you're not going to, those flavors are not going to build on each other. What you've done, the process that I've described, you've created basically five individual delicious flavors, but they're not going to achieve any kind of real harmony unless they stew together for at least an hour. Um, I typically don't go any less than two, but I also don't typically go more than four. Um, And I think that that's, yeah, I think that when I say like all day, like, Four hours is four hours is a long time, right? For but sure. What yeah. I would normally do is that, like, by by the time that you're at like three hours or something like that, you're adding, you're going to start adding some liquid or something like that. Yep, exactly. Right? And that's what going. I was going to get into. Because the next. thing is that, like, letting it. The other thing is when you're when you're doing something really long, right? Building a flavor is kind of like if you let the water cook out of what you're working with, right? The yeah. longer you pull out, the more water you let cook out of it. Obviously, the thicker and denser it's going to get. But yep. also, all of those, the way that we talked about, you don't get any browning or anything like that if you don't put salt on onions when you have them in the pan because yeah. you have to draw out the water. Similarly, like you can get your sauce, like th- this is the way to get like that dark sauce. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? That yep, really totally. yeah, dark, You want dark, like a, a deep, thing. almost like brown, not, not, you know, browned, yeah. but like, you know, it's, it's, there's a, a depth it's to a it very, that doesn't exist yeah. unless you cook yeah, it for a exactly. long time. It is like a very dark red, right? Yeah. Um, like really like blood red kind of yep. thing, right? I took um, a, I made a ragout yeah. the other day that's, that'll, I think be a good, like, we're going to have pictures of sauces that we've made over the, the course of the oh, last yeah, few weeks a idea. accompanying the podcast so that you guys can get an idea of what we're talking about too. Totally. And um, so the thing is that, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, but when you let it cook down for a long time, if you, you add liquid in, in order to bring the whole thing back up and let it be able to keep cooking yep. and it cooks out that liquid. Yeah. That because it, process, what's happening is the liquid is evaporate. You're when you cook anything, even though you're cooking it at a very low temperature, the liquid in the sauce is of course going to evaporate. And if you're not careful yeah. about that, what's going to happen is you're going to get a stew instead of a sauce. You're going to get something that's very thick and chunky that doesn't have any of like the saucy, like I don't, you don't want a thin sauce, but it's not going to have that quality of like clinging to your pasta or your rice in just the right way. It's going to be yeah. way too dense. The, the tomatoes are going to just be, it's going to be like eating just big chunks of tomato basically. And so then this is actually a good place. I think to talk, like we can talk quickly about ragu generally. Yes. Right. Like the addition of meat to something like this. I know that like when I say, when, when, when we say ragu, ragu can mean like many different things, but I, yeah. you know, it's different than meat sauce. Like, you know, it's not, not like it's a bolognese. Like, it's, it's whole, it's, it's not like larger pieces of meat and you incorporate fat into the sauce in a way the bolognese doesn't necessarily. Absolutely. So why don't you go, why don't you talk about some ragu? Um, so I want to, do you feel like we talked about what kind of liquid briefly before we leave this subject and before we get oh, into okay, yeah. variations, 
Um, when we say add liquid, we're not saying, you know, add a full cup of water to your sauce every time it looks a little dry. You want to be very sparing no, about the addition not. of oh liquid because, like I said, the reason that I sometimes keep tomato sauce on hand is if I'm trying some new things and I'm not sure how much liquid I'm going to end up adding over the course of the sauce's lifetime, uh, I, mm-hmm. you'll sometimes require a thickening agent. But you want to be very sparing you about know, your use yeah. of liquid. And I would recommend using pretty much exclusively either stock um, vegetable stock, preferably because chicken stock or, you know, meat stocks are going to add a flavor to your sauce that is unintended, um, mm-hmm. or, or is going to detract from the other elements of your sauce, uh, or just water. Um, water is fine too. Yeah. I generally just use water. And I, uh, I mean, you can use, you can just use water, yeah. but like uh, sometimes what I'll do is all, uh, this is the way that it's so funny that you have, that you keep tomato sauce on hand, the way that I keep this tube of, uh, of tomato paste, because yeah. what I'll do is I'll quickly stir like, you know, a generous squirt of, uh, tomato paste into yeah, the paste water. Is, paste like, is, I think yeah, a better solution. Stock. It's, I use it sometimes, but not like tomato sauce just happens to be like more i think no no the, your tomato sauce idea is great trust me i'm gonna go and get a no can but of i, I really so like I have it like a good caramelized paste as like part of the base of a sauce can really like elevate a sauce to another level but um exactly i yeah I, the tomato paste if you're if you're at home and like oh no considering i'm saying both that options, i would, that I would with go the with liquid. the paste so when i'm yeah, adding you'd liquid, add tomato yeah, paste to liquid to, and then, like yeah. water mixed with tomato paste yep, so totally. that it would disperse right and I think that that's like a really nice way of kind of because you're like, you know, then the sauce doesn't taste as dead. They're yeah. like, you know, when you've built these flavors, there's stuff that's been added more recently, stuff that's been added far at the beginning. Yeah. Right. Like that's the other way you can build flavors is to like add some fresh things towards the end or something like that. Yeah. Right. And, and only like you flavors going on. Only you will know like what you want your sauce consistency to be. But everybody and, knows. Yeah, what, like, absolutely. Everybody knows what their ideal tomato sauce looks like. So when you're adding liquid, just kind of think about that. Like how how saucy or how stewy do I want this to be? Um, and then like whatever you think, basically add as much water as you think will get you there. Like think about the amount of water that it will take to get you there when you're adding water and then maybe add about half of that. Yeah. That's Cause it's going to cook out over yeah. time. Um, and then now we can get into sauce variations and we'll talk about ragu now. Um, so this is a, uh, I mean, I guess I think of it as like quintessentially being Italian, but I'm sure it kind of have has roots all over Western Europe. Um, it's fundamentally exactly what uh what we've just been describing, but the way that I do my ragu, and I'm sure Mark may have a different approach, but um, instead of building your sauce with just olive oil, you'll add olive oil and then some kind of animal fat. I use either pork neck bones, um, pork shanks. Sometimes I'll use a little bit of pork belly even to just like render some of the fat out of it. Um, and that becomes the base of your sauce. And then you have your tomato sauce that we've been talking about, but it's much thicker and much more velvety because you have the addition of animal fat. Um, it's much stewier and, uh, you generally cook it for a shorter period of time because your flavors develop faster and it just has big old chunks of meat in it. So it's like a, like a pork stew or beef stew, depending on, you know, which, what, what kind of animal you're using, but you want to use full fatted cuts of meat. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's close to what, what the way that I kind of do things. Um, but the, how do I put this? Because, but like I said before, like my mother was allergic to pork. I always, I, I grew up using beef, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, either like, you know, beef shanks or oxtails or something like that, right? And, you know, I guess that I developed a particular taste for beef in uh, like the combination of beef and tomato sauce. I just think it's like, I think it's so good, right? I, I, yeah. I don't know what it is. So I always, re- I always recommend that people try it because I know that the automatic reaction is to go get pork, right? Yeah, and that makes sense. Like, you know, pork fat is obviously luxurious and beautiful, right? Yeah. But I think that sometimes we almost like overlook just how like good rendered out beef fat. Yeah, of course. They're too, they're like so they're like an, such wildly different right. flavors, but they produce like such beautiful and also different textures too. That yeah, it's yeah. easy to forget that beef fat is just a, as viable an alternative. Totally, and the thing is that you can also either you know, recently like one of the best, probably the best restaurant experience of my life was when I was in Rome in I don't know November, and uh, oh, it was my birthday. I remember. But so the thing is that I went to this restaurant and they were making, you know, there was this old lady in the window making fresh pasta, mm-hmm. right? Like to order. Oh my God. I mean, it was r- ridiculous. She's sitting there rolling it out, right? And um, I ordered gnocchi with um, uh, oxtail ragu, oh, right? God. And the uh, way, dude, it was fucking, it was life changing. No. I mean, I mean that seriously. I had never, I actually didn't know that I didn't know what real gnocchi tasted like, I guess. Right. I grew up eating the stuff out of the package. Right. Yeah. Like I love gnocchi. I've been eating my whole life. Right. Yeah. There's no, God never made a bad gnocchi, but God made some really good ones too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And this was like, I mean, it was really insane. It wasn't even like, it wasn't gummy at all. It was pillowy. I don't know how something can be light and dense and chewy and soft simultaneously. I have no idea how it works, but but the ragu that they came out with was almost like it was almost like Italian pulled pork. Ooh, yeah. Right? It was oh, really good. And it was re- I mean, this is like a, you know, this is like a locals place. I yeah, went yeah. really deep diving to find this place cuz I didn't want to go to some bullshit touristy thing. Yeah, right? you didn't want to. And so I found stuff. this really cool like kind of off the beaten path place. And that's what they served me. And it was like, it was, I mean, it was incredible. It was one of the best meals of my life, if not the best restaurant Man, that's, meal that's, I've ever had. Uh, yeah. Uh, ragu is yeah, one of my, incredible. ragu paired, prepared by a skilled chef is amongst my favorite dishes because there's so much, again, like going back to what I was saying earlier about trying to get as much flavor out of each of your inv- individual ingredients. Ragu is not a complex mm-hmm. sauce. It's exactly what we just described with the addition of fat, but like having an understanding of how to render animal fat and the sort of effect that it has on other liquids, demonstrating mastery of that is a, it's like technically impressive, but B mm-hmm. it's delicious in a way. Nothing else is. It's just like, it's, it's so, a thing unto yeah, itself. Totally. And you Before we get put, lost put, in the sauce, though, I want to talk about where because we're coming up on an hour here. So I want to talk about. Oh, my some God. Other, yeah, we got to move. Yeah, I want to talk about some other sauce <laughs> variations really quickly before we get into shakshuka. Um, so mm-hmm. let's go through. I think that Mark's sauce Rolodex is probably much more extensive than mine. But going through the basic like Italian tomato sauce variations and what how what we described can translate into other sauces. You have bouillonnaise, which is exactly what we talked about with the addition of ground meat. Um, well, also, and also bolognese has, um, you, you add like Trinity stuff, right? So like, uh, carrot and yeah, it's, you make like a sofrito. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. You make an Italian sofrito, right? Yep. And then um, add garlic, uh, obviously. And then it's the best way to put it is that uh, bolognese is not a uh, a meat tomato sauce. It's a tomato meat sauce. Yes. It's a in the meat sense should that, not like, be at the forefront of meat forward. It's chili. Yeah. Think yeah. about it almost yeah, yeah, like yeah. chili that you would get, like, you know what I mean? Like really, really like thick chili. <laughs> meat right? forward. It I is like <laughs> mainly meat and less sauce. Yeah, I would. I I think that I agree with that representation. What mm-hmm. uh, what are some others? So pomodoro, we, we talked about that very briefly. Pomodoro and pomodoro is so easy. It is really so simple. It is it, you can do, do it in the summer is when it's best. Yep. Um, you take uh, you take some fresh tomatoes. Even, I like using small ones. Things. Yeah, like, brighter um, like uh, pomodoro. To yeah. me, the whole point of a pomodoro is like to exist in direct contrast to the long tomato up sauce. Front. it's fresh it's a, tomato it's a spring like tomato it's like yeah bright and yeah. S- almost like citrus you want those that's the flavor profile you want to express with a good pomodoro it doesn't you and, don't have that all, darkness yeah. that you get out of a long cooked tomato sauce it should be super bright red um like very vivid mm-hmm. and it should taste how it looks it, it's like alive it should taste really fresh yep right that's a and, great way uh, to describe you know, it like 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 hot through, but like savory and fresh at the same time, right? Yep. A nice amount of acid to it. Yeah, So totally. the thing is that that's why you would use some smaller tomatoes, right? Something like that. Um, also, if you don't like skins on tomatoes, some people don't, just like make a little incision on the bottom of each tomato, put them in boiling water for 30 seconds, pull them out, run them under cold water and pull the skins off. Yep, or just, just put, them in an, put them in an ice easy. bath either way. Super it's the same basic easy. principle as like blanching. Um, yeah, put them in an ice bath is the best way, actually. You're right. Drop them into an ice bath is uh, would probably be the most effective. But literally, fresh tomatoes, you start with that. But what you're going to do is get good olive oil into a pan, right? Yes. And this is one of those sauces where you're not going to chop up any of like the additional stuff. But it's going to have the same stuff that we've been talking about. You're going to get garlic cloves. But this time, just slice them like like lengthwise in half, right? Yep. And then you're going to get um, some onion. And you're either going to take, depending on how much you're making, like half an onion, maybe a quarter of an onion. And you're going to throw the onion into hot olive oil first. You're going to let it just get a little browned on either side, just a little bit, okay? Uh, add the garlic, uh, cut side down until it just like gets fragrant really quickly not you know not much going on yeah yeah uh, salt and then add the tomatoes you're going to toss it all together okay and you're going to kind of keep the, this is one where you do stir a little bit more because you want to keep the pan moving you do not want it to it brown so or quick. darken well you don't want it to brown and on top of that the more you kind of move it around the more emulsif- emulsification you're going to get between oh very true the olive yeah. oil and the um, this is also why a lot of people use butter in pomodoro sauce, yeah, uh, which I think is a good idea. But like, use good butter, and I think it's probably a great idea. It probably sounds it sounds awesome, right? But butter would be an easier emulsification because you would add the butter after rather than having yeah, it just olive incorporates oil in the more pan and then too. Add, right, yeah, exactly. So you can do it with butter to get the mouth feel, the kind of velvety thing going on. Or you can be really on top of it and stir the shit all the time so that yep. um, you end up getting a little bit of emulsification, okay? And then that's like, you know, maybe throw a, a sprig of basil that you pull out later, right? Or like maybe top it with a little chopped basil if you want to. Yep. Um, but uh, like get some little fresh herb in there while it's cooking just to get the flavor. Pull that stuff out and you're done. That's it. And it should take like 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Like it shouldn't be on the heat very long at all. 
yeah i totally i think that's like probably the best way to go about it yeah you really you really it's a quick sauce yeah it's a super quick sauce but that's because you want to maintain the fresh flavor of really fresh summer or spring tomatoes yeah are there any other sauces that like you think are any sauce variations that you want to talk about very briefly before we get into shakshuka oh i think a good just like a really quick thing is that most pizza sauce right is just is literally it's literally whole tomatoes that are blended with salt and then they sprinkle a little seasoning on it before adding the cheese. Yeah, I forgot that's, it. We, we didn't talk about majority. pureed sauces at all, but like I think that that's probably about the only place for a pureed sauce. You just, in my opinion, I think you just want bite variation in a in a Italian tomato sauce more than you want to have like a consistently like consistent throughout sauce. You want to have oh, chunks. Yeah, I don't, you want to have some bites like that are the, chunky, the, crispy. Yeah. You want to have some bites that are like dense. You want to have some bites that are super acidic and bright. And you want to have some bites that are like really sweet. That's like every mm-hmm. every bite being a different experience is like part of the beauty of an Italian tomato sauce. And when you puree a sauce, you take that away from it. But for something like but. pizza, where <laughs> uniformity is really important because you're like distributing, you're trying to distribute it evenly throughout like one surface area that is when it is acceptable mm-hmm. to puree your sauce. Totally. And the thing is that there's, um, it really is like, I, people don't believe it. I didn't believe it. Honestly, dude, when I heard that that's what's on, you know, not only traditional Neapolitan pizza, but also like if you go to a pizza place in New York, 95% of the good places are just using blended good to canned tomatoes yep. that salt. are salted, right? Yep. Like, you know, a good amount of salt, enough salt for a whole can of tomatoes. And then spreading that over the dough, putting a little bit of either, you know, dried herbs of some kind, some Italian blend, something very small, and then maybe a little bit of uh, olive oil or garlic or something like that, right? And cheese, that's it. Boom, done. Yeah, boom. Right? And I was was shocked because, like, you know, think about how complex and flavorful – and how fucking good pizza is, right? And it's so simple. So yeah, that's I think I think that'll be the last of the Italian ones. So that was like you know, so you know Sunday sauce, then uh, ragu, then um, we talked about uh, bolognese, then we talked about pomodoro, pomodoro, and then pizza sauce, and <laughs> and pizza sauce. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And and all of those super similar, just to kind of different applications, yep. except for pizza sauce, which is just a fun fact that it's literally just. Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, yeah, that that basic process. And and you can try you should I would encourage all of our viewers to try Mark's approach and to try my approach. Um, comment, tell us which one you like better, tell us why you like mine better. Um, and then <laughs> <laughs> But I would I would advise you guys yours. to try them both. I, I and like I like your method. Experiment experiment as much as you want to because that's like that's what the show is all about is finding out what you want out of your food and how to accomplish those results. The the beauty and the other reason that we started with tomato sauce is because it's very inexpensive. Like, you know, making a good tomato sauce shouldn't cost more than $5. Like if that, yeah, there's no, yeah. You don't need anything that's going to be like, uh, you know, crazy, like crazy expensive. You nope. don't even need to buy like the, you don't even need to buy like the most expensive canned tomatoes. Right. It's no, I use a, canned I like Contadina, you know, like but I've used Contatina. every brand. Yeah. Like Contatina is the, is my go-to as well. 
So yeah, um, let's, uh, okay. try them out. Yeah, let's do. Let's do. Uh, I think that what we wanted to do was, uh, you know, we're we're running long, but we'll do it quickly. And I think this is we talked really well about all those Italian sauces. Yeah, that's going to be that was going to uh, be the bulk of our discussion, no matter what. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's that, becoming I mean, increasingly it, evident kind of, to me yeah. that maybe we should just focus on one thing. But this is the first episode, so you guys are just going to have to bear with us. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, feeling it out. So but, shakshuka. So the thing is that yeah. Shakshuka, because, you know, like we said at the beginning, like we talked about, uh, tomato sauce is ubiquitous everywhere. Yeah, Almost so we wanted to explore, um, like, what another what another nation is bringing to the table that's, like, completely unrelated to Italy or Spain. or um, So shakshuka is actually a staple of North African cuisine. Uh, and in, weirdly enough, uh, it was it was adopted. And the Levant, so like, yeah, it, it was adopted like as like a, Israel and yeah. Yeah, I was always I was introduced to shakshuka as a Jewish dish by my grandmother. <laughs> That's so funny. So yeah. was I actually. That's so like, yeah. I didn't actually know that it was from like North Africa, Morocco until maybe. It's a like hummus. It's like hummus. You know how everybody fights over who invented hummus. Yeah, it's like, it's like dude. Yeah. I think every <laughs> every food that is like quintessentially Israeli is basically just completely bogarted from another culture, and they were like, no, we did it first. <laughs> yeah, no, we were the, yeah, because we were the first ones here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, shakshuka, but so the, the name Africa. of the dish, yeah, it's from North Africa. The name of the dish means a mixture or clump together or to adhere in Maghreb Arabic, uh, which is not an inaccurate description of what it is. It's basically just a thick, yeah. saucy mixture of tomatoes, um, fresh or dried chilies, paprika, onions, and then usually cumin. Um, and then eggs are poached in that mixture, and it results in this like super stewy, velvety dish that's like I've always eaten it as a breakfast food, but I think with some like with some quiet variations, it could easily be eaten any time of the day. Like it's very, oh, yeah. it's very it's, hearty. It's, honestly, so it wouldn't be like a great, great light. I always yeah. thought, I always thought that it made, yeah, it was really awesome at breakfast, but it could be like obviously and very clearly a really great dinner dish. Right. Just even like add an extra egg or something, you know? Yeah. Cause totally. the other weird thing about it is that it's almost the reason that this was such a good idea. The reason, even though this is like an egg dish. Yeah. Right. It's the thing is that it's it's really more like a sauce. Like, it, when I, how do I put this? It's not eggs, posts, and sauce. The whole thing is basically an entire dish built out of this sauce that's then eaten with pita or French bread or something. Precisely, right? yeah. It looks and, like and, on the surface, so, it looks yeah. more like a stew, but it doesn't have that like super ultra thick consistency. And then on top of that, they don't. They actually only add like you know. Each person would get like one egg out of a shakshuka. That's how I've always seen it. Do you know what it, I mean? Yeah. Because the whole idea is that you take the runny yolk and the yolk becomes part of oh that God, sauce. It's so good, right? I know it's so good. It's amazing. I, I it's it's seriously amazing. I don't know why Italians don't eat um, eggs with tomato <laughs> sauce. It's weird. I That's true. I actually, that is sort of like sense. a weird. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, I, I got to try that. I just had that thought right now. I'm going to have to try that. I'll come yeah, back I don't next see why week that wouldn't and be a I thing. will inform you guys how my egg and Italian tomato sauce experiment goes. Yeah, you do it with like fresh delicious. egg pasta too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think, I, I can't see how that could ever be bad, but. Um, yeah, for sure. So let's quickly go so, into uh, like our, our process for making shakshuka. This one, I think we're probably going to agree on a lot more because it's a lot simpler. Yeah, exactly. There's like less, uh, the variation in shakshuka comes from like the added ingredients, but the process is almost always exactly the same. Um, you're going to add your, you have olive oil in a cast iron. It's very important that this is cooked in cast iron. Um, 
Do you finish We're your... going to probably do an episode about cast iron. Yeah. Most, almost <laughs> certainly. But just everyone know ahead of time that cast iron is like a big deal. You yeah. want to have a cast iron pan. If you're like, if you're really into cooking, you're trying to get more into cooking. You want to like up, you know, up your game. Cast iron pan is the place to start. Yep, right? But I yeah, agree. go on. It is cast iron is absolutely absolute necessity for making shakshuka, which is also weird because you shouldn't use acidy stuff in your uh, cast iron pan. But actually, that's what people say. But it's fine. Yeah. All right, go on. Um, so olive oil or whatever fat you're using in the bottom of the pan. Again, this one is more of a like shakshuka has a lot more room like leeway. Um, so whatever fat you're going to use in the bottom of the pan, you add your onions and your garlic. You're going to caramelize those. Um, now here's a question for you, Mark. And get, this is one where you want to get a nice caramelization. Yeah. Right? That yeah. don't be afraid of the char. That's like, it's all and about, also because everything has to, to hold up to the thickness. You're adding a lot of tomato to this. So all of the individual things have to hold their own. This is not a, this yeah. dish is not about harmony. It's much more about individual elements, like coming together in a way where all of them maintain their uniqueness. Their own integrities, yeah. Yep, that's um, a much better way of putting just, it. Yeah. Just one thing that I was uh, I wanted to point out is that um, uh, there's kind of this myth about putting things in hot pans, in my opinion, right? This, I'm going to tell you, this is a situation where what I do is I let my pan get... Oh, it needs like, to get ripping ...warm hot. with the... Well, no, 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 hold on. This is what I, I'm, I'm saying, dude... I start really low. Why? Whoa. Because I want those onions to caramelize. I throw the onions in when the pan is low, huh. is what I'm saying. Okay. I'll turn the heat on with the yeah, intention yeah, yeah, yeah. of getting the pan really hot. You're not heating but the I onions don't from... Throw the on... Yeah. I, I let the onions start getting rid of their moisture early. Okay. So add onions and salt, okay? And, let, and you can also do this with bell peppers because bell peppers don't lose their... Um, they don't lose their water very easily. They're like really sturdy and no, they're super resilient. Yeah. Them, so the so if you want to get them the nice and soft, you want to like start them in a cold pan, right? Yeah. As the pan gets hot, by the time the pan is at the temperature you would have thrown the onions in at, the onion has only lost water weight. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, nothing's happened to the onions. Like for the most part, the onions are actually still really structurally um, uh, intact. Together, They're not right. You know, limp. Mm hmm. Exactly. Okay. Interesting. But by the time that the the oil is hot, you've already gotten rid of a ton of the uh, a ton of the water that you were going to spend trying to cook off in the hot pan. But this is the same reason that if you want to get like really crispy fried shallots, you start it in cold oil. You don't throw it in hot oil. Yeah. No. You're right. Right? Huh. So I've never really thing. thought about you applying that in the to cold this. Pan. I know that's crazy, right? I, I that's something that I've been doing uh like for a couple of months now that I came up with is like start start shit that you want to get really caramelized like onions or peppers or even garlic, right? You can start it in a low low pan, right? When you put the pan on with oil, throw it in and then as it gets hot, you're going to get a better caramelization without it burning. Yeah, totally. Right? Um, so yeah, that's the way that I start it. But yes, is I get them, but you want to get them caramelized in your, uh, in, in your cast, cast iron. iron pan. Yep. Yeah. Now the question that I was going to ask you is, do you, this is maybe just a byproduct of me cooking Indian food for a while. Um, yeah. do you temper your spices before, like, do you temper your spices or do you add your spices when you add the tomato? Oh, I put the spices when you say, what do you mean by temper? Temper it, meaning like, like you what, add, what? so your cumin, your like whatever, maybe your chili powder or whatever you're adding, um, yeah. your fresh chilies. Do you add those in the hot oil stage or do you add them to the mixture? 
hot oil stage okay. every, every yeah, single just time. Sure. <laughs> so tempering, no, I mean, for that, those of you don't, that don't you're know. You're so right. That is Indian cooking. Yeah. That's like, that's because, yeah. Totally. Tempering just refers to a process uh, in which you, you add dry spices. I just didn't spices. know the term, actually. Yeah. yeah, you just add dry spices to oil. Um, and what that does, it, it, it almost immediately extracts the essential oils from, especially if you're using something like whole cumin, for instance. You're going to get a lot more flavor out of your cumin if you add it to hot oil and then let it just basically just like toast a little bit. Um, that's going to pull all of the spices. You, and you'll know when it's cumin. good because it's when you get hit in the face with the cumin smell. Oh, it'll, it'll be so aromatic. That's a, and that's like, even if, even if the, the difference in flavor is minute, which it's not like that getting punched in the face with that aroma is the most pleasant thing in the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you add your, your spices at that stage, it draws the essential oil out. And not only does it draw the essential oils to the surface of the cumin, which makes it more readily like, um, add to the flavor of everything else it also adds that it draws that oil into whatever fat you're using so that it becomes mm -hmm. equally distributed throughout the dish um that's the the so. basic that's the the fundamentals of tempering um so after you've caramelized the onion uh, you have your garlic you have your spices in there i use fresh chilies um mark and i have kind of like gone back like and forth a, I, we I have both decided chilies. yeah we've decided that like the serrano is kind of just god's gift to pepperdom um yeah Seriously. So I like to use serranos in this because it adds like that sort of uh, freshness. That, that's it's not quite acidic. It's like almost grassy. Uh, serranos. If you want to go nuts, you, you know what I love to do. If huh. you want to go nuts, just right before you, right before you're gonna make shakshuka, turn on your if like if you have a gas range. I I happen to have a gas range. I think that Jacob probably does too. I do. Yeah. But I, that was a condition. Yeah, if of you have a gas here. range. <laughs> Um, you, what you can do is you can just turn on your gas, take that serrano, mm -hmm. and roast it over the gas, like yeah, with, just with some right tongs, over the right? open flame. Yeah, it'll take it'll take like just a couple of minutes, like you know, f like you know, three or four minutes, right? But event when you when it gets like nice and black the whole way around, you can take it off, let it cool for just a second, and then you can peel off the skin, right? Which is because like the skin on on peppers can be unpleasant, yeah. right? Um, you can peel off the skin, but also what's gone on is it's opened up all the seeds on the inside, mm -hmm. right? Like when you heat the pepper, you get this really nice, it enhances both the kind of sweet flavors of the pepper because it draws out, um, it draws out the sugars, right? Yep. Yep. But on top of that, it also expresses the, uh, essential oils in the seeds inside the pepper, so right. what you get is like it's not just that it makes the pepper a little hotter; it's that it makes it, it really gives it different character. It is a little bit spicier, but it's almost like a different heat. It's the it's really wonderful. Yeah. So I would suggest if you if you're feeling really squirrely, roast your serrano over your gas. You won't be you won't be uh, disappointed. I would strongly and then recommend. Then chop it up and throw it in there. Yeah, Mark introduced me to that technique uh, not too long ago, and I, I will never go back. Um, it's amazing, right? It's life changing. So here we've got we've got onions, garlic, spices, chili. Um, here's the point in which you add your tomatoes. Now, what you want to avoid doing again, you're going to want to use canned whole plum tomatoes. Um, sometimes I'll add again. Sometimes I will add fresh tomatoes if I want it to have more body or be more acidic. This time, it's super important that you reserve the liquid. And I generally don't use it because I like a very stewy, thick shakshuka. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. saucy in the same way that an Italian tomato sauce is saucy. It's, it's the liquids like will cook out of the whole tomato. 
Um, and because you're adding like the, the egg yolk is going to add this sort of creaminess to it at the very end when you actually eat the dish. And that's like, if you have a really watery sauce, it just makes it kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, so super important to, to make sure it's thick and to reserve that liquid and just set it aside, use it for something else entirely. Uh, Cause you're not going to add it to this. Um, and then at this point I add my, uh, not my whole dry spices, but like my spice powders. If you're using chili powder, add it at this point. Uh, if you're using paprika, add it at this point to the tomato directly, not into the pan. Um, uh-huh. Because that's going to, tempering paprika is going to overpower the whole dish. You don't want paprika in your, especially if you're using like smoked paprika. If you use that in your oil, your whole dish is just going to be. Oh, yeah. Paprika. It's just going to be, ultra, just gonna be straight up smoky. paprika. And that's not great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so add add your dried powdered spices to the tomato stage of the dish. Um, and then do you, so this is the part where I think there may be some debate. I finish my, I add the egg yolks. I cook them on the stovetop until they just set. And then I throw it in the oven at about 450 degrees for like maybe five to six minutes. Do you finish yours in the so, oven or do you do it all stovetop? So, um, it's uh, okay. How about this? I know that a lot of people finish it in the oven, but I have a thing where I think that egg whites get a weird texture in the oven, even when they're in the oven for a short period of time. Hmm. Right. Do you know what I mean? They get rubbery quickly. I know. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. So the thing is that you get this kind of rubbery thing going on. What I do is kind of like, it's something I learned from my dad. My dad would always make corned beef hash and then crack eggs into it, cover it and let the eggs cook on a, over like really low flame and just let the let the eggs get just set with the runny yolk and then you would scoop some out, right? So what I do is I actually crack the eggs in and then I turn the heat down and I cook it covered. Oh, right? ooh, that's a very interesting approach. I, know, I actually like that. Right? It's okay. so, and even if you don't like let's say that you just have like even if you have like a you know, a cast iron pan that you don't have a cover for Right. Just take like a sheet tray or a cookie sheet and throw it over. Yeah. Just right? toss it over. But turn it low and then cook the eggs gently because then you have a lot of control. Because here's the other thing about like eggs is a whole other show. But what we're talking about shakshuka. So we have to talk a little bit of eggs. Yeah. Um, yolks go from perfect to severely overdone in about 30 seconds. Yeah, there's like a, right? there's, you have a very small window. The difference is the difference between the yolk being exactly where you want it to be, almost like just some of it is like, is uh, like, you know, pasty, but the rest of it is still more creamy, but it's started to thicken, right? All of that stuff, that moment is about 15 to 20 seconds away from super overdone, super hard yolks. Yep, yep. Right? And so the thing is that I really like to have a lot of control over that because that also comes from experience because I used to really be bad at cooking eggs this way and I would always overdo um, the yolks when I did it in the oven, right? And yeah. then I, my dad showed me one time that he does it by covering it, turning it way low, Right. Because the lower like we'll talk about eggs another time again. But the best way to cook your whites without cooking the yolk is to cook it on really low temperature. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So that's why I think that the aggressive 450 heat of the oven, even for five minutes at the end, I know that it gets like a nice you get a nice ring of good stuff around the edge and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. That's more for the benefit of the sauce than the egg itself. So I see. I totally see where you're coming from. And you can also mimic that before putting the eggs in. 
I totally. just realized yeah, that that's now. true. Yeah, you can actually. Right? So what Mark is recommending here is instead of finishing, instead of adding the eggs and then finishing in the oven, you can pre-finish it in the oven and then add the eggs at a very low temperature so they just set on the stovetop. We could probably exactly. incorporate both of those methods together. So you could add the eggs after they come out of the oven, uh, cover, exactly. and then, and then also set. the pan is so would the be nice and worlds. hot. Yeah, and the pan would be, still be nice and hot, right? So it, there would be a lot of convection going on. You could turn down the totally. heat really low because the pan, the cast iron pan would have held a lot it's gonna, of heat from inside so much, the oven yeah. for five minutes. Yeah, totally. That's a great idea. See, problem solving, right? Boom. That's so what, that's the that's new teamwork. way that we make shukshuka. <laughs> that's teamwork. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then, I mean, the best thing about shukshuka for me, um, th- this might be debatable, and not maybe not the best, but you know what I mean. I love to then, when it's done, it's all about a little fresh cilantro, maybe a little yogurt. Yep. Right. Oh yeah. Maybe I some, use you know and a little bit feta, of yogurt, little feta, or like any yeah. any like crumbly cheese, like queso yep. fresco, like no, any we're on the same page, homie. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's the best with it because it adds just enough freshness because the combination of eggs and that tomato sauce is is heavy and rich and really flavorful right yeah but you need like a cold cream something cold um, and creamy bright, bright. cilantro yeah. is perfect uh foreign coriander uh people i think the traditional like way to do this is a lot of people swear by parsley but i find parsley to just be like kind of grassy i don't dislike it you, but it's yeah. not what you're looking for with this dish because you want something to counteract those the flavors sol- earthy totally. does not like, really, something that's yeah. deep and rich isn't gonna be like uh complemented by something that's earthy it's going to be it's just going to like bring out the worst of both qualities absolutely and i think that's a good critique on using parsley on it so i I prefer cilantro on this but what i've also done is uh i'll make chimichurri that i'll have in the fridge all the time that's such a good idea i know dude i know right chimichurri or salsa verde like any of those kind of you know fresh herb sauces that you might have in your fridge that you yeah, made totally. over the weekend for the steak and you have extra. Dude, Any kind of like tomatillo there, salsa. So if you, good. I mean, you yeah. can make a tomatillo salsa and then it would just be like tomato on tomato. <sighs> and it's just a, a... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That you could also make this. The other thing that's crazy, and I think that this is, this is a good actual good way for us to kind of like round things out, I think. Um, one of the things about this podcast that I wanted to do was to also point out things like, when we, we just talked about shakshuka, okay, and it's flavoring and all, everything we talked about is very um, North African, Levantine, and, you know, Ottoman, I guess, right? Like that yeah, kind of thing. Turkish. Totally. And so um, that's, you know, the, and you can see that in the flavor profiles and what's going on. You could totally give this dish like some Mexican flair, right? And it would yeah. be really natural. Yeah, right? it, it wouldn't, wouldn't feel be, out of place at all. Because it's like you effectively huevos like rancheros dude. Being... You wouldn't, yeah, because you, you just said you just said you know tomatillo salsa, and I was like, that's a good idea, right? So imagine like getting you know even like hopefully like even a chunky tomatillo salsa, mm-hmm. right? Like get a tomatillo salsa on there with crema and queso fresco, yeah, right. And, it's just, and now the thing is, and now it's entirely. Te- right. But that's also something to point out is that like, you know. I think that sometimes people will be like, I don't know how to cook. Um, I don't know how to cook Indian food. I don't know how to cook Mexican food. I, yeah. you know, I don't, I'd love to learn to cook uh, Chinese food, right? Something like that, right? 
And the truth of the matter is that so much of the cooking that goes on across the world, yeah, there are some very unique things out there that different cultures do, right? Um, uh, uh, like, you know, they, uh, there are obviously unique features. But the truth of the matter is so much of this cooking comes down to these fundamental, universal uh, techniques and styles and, uh, you know, like like the, the fundamentals, the real roots of the way that we all eat around the world. And I think it's really interesting to be able to notice that, oh, shit, shakshuka is basically just like, you know, three toppings away from a Mexican dish. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. And then what you can realize is that, like, if you can cook chili, then you can cook ground beef tacos. But that also means if you can cook chili, you can probably cook a bunch of Greek and and, um, uh, Macedonian food. Yeah. Because a bunch of, like, American chili actually came from Macedonia and Greece, where they make, um, you know, like the Greek lasagna and whatever. Yeah, pastizio. Masuka, what is it? Mak. Oh, I can't remember. It starts with an M, the Greek dish. Somebody's going to get mad at me. But they, yeah, they, they, you know, all that stuff, everything is so consistent. And so learning like the fundamental aspects of how to do one dish is not just learning that one dish. It's not learning about that one. Right. Our goal is to make this, you can apply everything that you're learning here, all of these processes and like the understanding of how these ingredients work together to all kinds of things. Absolutely. And that's that's the goal. And I, yeah, that's the thesis, right? That's the that's the that's the not a recipe thesis. That's yeah. the motto. The the mission statement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The mission statement. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I don't think I have anything else to say. Um, I think we're good. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the next do, episode. Should we recommend like a, a? What should we recommend at the end of certain episodes? Why don't we both recommend one condiment? Okay, I like that for now. I think we should do something like totally different for this show, but recommendation. No, for, I think we should for do the first it, episode. Well, that's, we'll, yeah. yeah, but we can come up with different things even for each time. But this time, my my suggestion is let's both recommend a, con- a condiment. Okay, you first. Okay, so um, I've been telling Jacob that he needs to try this stuff, but uh, there is a Jamaican uh, table sauce called pick a peppa. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah. It is the best way to put it is that it is Jamaican people mimicking British HP sauce, right? And so it's it's not that it it doesn't taste exactly like a British brown sauce. It's much more complicated and more interesting than that because there are all of these different layers of really Jama- Jamaican influenced flavors, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So all spice and ginger and um uh and uh, what was the other thing i was thinking about like soy sauce and raisins right it's it's one of those kind of catch-all i have no idea what's in it but god if it like, is, <laughs> i just sauces, want, to eat, I want more. right that kind yeah. of thing right and uh it is my go-to sauce for grilled anything right like grilled steak grilled chicken right or you know yeah totally all mushrooms you know that kind of stuff it is the perfect grill sauce. And so I recommend that to everybody. Pick a Peppa. It is the Jamaican brown sauce with the parrot on it. It's really fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I still I haven't gotten a bottle yet because I'm lazy and a bad person. I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> After no, listening when to you, you describe it. When you it, get it, you're going to be mad at yourself. It's yeah. so good. It's fantastic. Um, my recommendation would be it's not like a specific like brand of anything or like a specific type of anything. Um, 
I just recommend like using Greek yogurt as like a mayonnaise or sour cream alternative. I've been doing that with a lot of my food lately because I'm on a I'm on like a pretty strict diet because I'm cutting. He's um, he's in his cutting phase. I mean I'm in the cut. I'm deep in the cut. Um, but I've actually found come come to find that I enjoy the that weird like sourness that of of Greek yogurt and the the yeah. thickness of it. I just I actually just like it better than mayonnaise on most things. I can't think of a situation where I would like want mayonnaise more than Greek yogurt as a condiment right now. Uh, and same same thing that. with sour cream. I mean, like you know, like you know, like an Italian American sub requires like you know. Some no, egg, okay, like, that's fair because you need you need that. the tang for sure. But yeah, like, exactly. Like, there, it's literally also, just I mean, like a specific kind of like sandwich. That's like maybe the only thing that I've that. No, that's like, yeah, for sure. But it also, I mean, I think you're right though. Like Greek yogurt is. Um, it's underrated. really versatile, dude. Mixing some fresh sure. herbs, a little lemon juice. You can do, yeah. You I don't can, even know if it's exactly underrated. I just think people don't realize how much you can do with it, other than just like you know, put it in smoothies. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it is. It is really, really a good thing. So um, Greek uh, yogurt as a yeah. mayonnaise or sour cream substitute, good for the health conscious and good for just generally, it's kind of delicious. Yeah, for sure. But uh, that's that's all we got all right. for the first episode. Uh, we hope you guys liked it. There will be more. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what we've settled on as our second topic yet. We'll probably talk about it immediately after this podcast. But uh, thank yeah, you, for as sure. always, exactly. for listening. This is going to be published everywhere where Codex West is published and probably on the same SoundCloud um, for the time being, at least. Uh, there's going to sure. be uh, drafting a logo right now. We're going to have some pictures that are accompanying it. We have an Instagram. Uh, follow us on at – let me make sure. I don't know if it's – not a recipe or not underscore a underscore recipe. Let me double check. Do, do, do. It is not underscore a underscore recipe on Instagram. So follow us there. We'll have pictures. The only picture that's on there right now is a picture of me eating at Waffle House. Last time I was in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll have, we'll have stuff up. There's going to be a lot of content associated with this. We're going to try to do video with Johnny and I kind of like beginner lessons. Um, but we're going to have a lot of fun with it and we hope that you guys have fun yeah, with I it too. Yeah, I think this is going to be good. Uh, but thank you for being along for the ride and uh, thank you for joining us for our inaugural episode. Have a great day. Yeah, for sure. Peace. <laughs>